Hello. Hello. Adrian. How are you doing? Kareem. Yes. I am doing very well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It is a pleasure and an honor to speak with you. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, likewise. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I've just been spending time uh, deep diving through your Facebook page, watching your live streams and stuff. That's that's some really uh, fun stuff you've been doing. Yeah, yeah. But just, uh, it's all new to me, right? And I'm coming in on sort of the back end of things. Um uh, a little bit behind the game, but uh, figuring it out and getting getting a little bit more comfortable with it. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hello, my name is Adrian Sutherland, and today uh, I'm calling from Attawapiskat, I'm the front man for the band Midnight Shine, and welcome to the music. Thank you so much for joining us, Adrian. How are you? I'm doing very good. Thank you. Um, I have never been to uh to that part of the country Atawapiskat is just uh just west of James Bay am, am I placing it correctly we're actually yeah we're actually on the coast the west coast of James Bay we're we're the the most northernly located community on the James Bay coast can you I don't know if you're sitting near a window or where you are but can you can you describe for me Atawapiskat, if you could. Sure. I mean, Atawapiskat present day is, uh, it's a small um, remote community, a flying community. And we're, we're still a hunter-gatherer community. Uh, we have been for, for as long as I can remember. Um, pretty, pretty simple living up here. I mean, just like any other small community. Um, we have uh, we have a couple of little sit-in restaurants. Um, we have a local grocery store and a general store. Um, no actual uh, fitness, just a few little fitness rooms here in, in the community uh, um, that people have access to. But um, yeah, I mean, we pretty much have every other thing. No, no barber services or anything like that in the community. <laughs> um, uh, there is a pharmacy actually that opened uh, just over a year ago, which is really uh, oh, that's good. Probably the the biggest thing that changed in the last twenty years. <laughs> wow, wow! I I um I remember reaching out to um, Rosanna a couple of months ago. It might have been April, I think. There there was some news about uh, you and your music, and I'd reached out to her and I and I asked, I'd love to speak to Adrian. I've been, uh, she might tell you, I've been trying to, I've been trying to speak with you since I saw your, um, your heart of gold video, which I fell in love with, uh, by the way. And uh, I'll talk, I, I'll ask you more about that later, but you were, you talked about, uh, the, the people in Attawapiskat are hunters and gatherers. She actually told me you were, you were, you had gone on a hunting retreat. Um, tell me about that. Cause you went when, everyone was sort of shutting down and, and isolating and you had gone out into the world. Uh, I'd, I'd love to know more about uh, your retreat and, and then how you found out about this COVID situation we're in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, I know uh, Rosanna's told me that you had been trying to, <laughs> to, to set up a, 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 an interview with me for quite some time and it just hasn't been able to, to work out, but we're well, finally able to do it. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, when, when, the when, when this virus hit, I mean, there was a lot of, uh, I think un- unknowns, uh, when, when we were in Saskatoon at the Juno Fest, uh, the Juno week, uh, that's when sort of we, everything sort of really hit me, uh, um, cause everything started to shut down and it was like mm-hmm. every minute something else would be canceled. It was just crazy, right? Everything was just, that's right. That's right. Just changing so rapidly, you know? And, uh, you know, I thought about, you know, what I, what I'd be doing, you know, I certainly wanted to get home and, 
um, be with my family uh, during during the, that week, especially uh, starting to hear about everything sh- starting to shut down. And like every year, every spring, we plan to go out on the land and we spend, you know, as much time as we can out there, like two to three weeks, uh, depending on depending on my schedule. And um, in the last, you know, five six years, it's been really really hectic, and I have. The hunting shorts, the the hunting trips seem to be getting shorter every year, uh, mm-hmm. just because of the schedule, right? And uh, anyway, but this year the COVID uh, the virus sort of, um, I guess in some funny way, allowed us to to really get back to the land in, in a big way. And we spent the uh, well, myself, I was I've been back and forth for a couple of months, and then when we finally went out with the family, we traveled two days. Uh, out on the sea ice by snow machine uh, with all the kids and grandbabies and uh, oh wow five snow machines uh, so we yeah we took took us two days to get up to camp um, we spent a whole month up there where is camp we were, like where do you go we're about two hundred kilometers north of Atawapiskat on uh, a place called the Opanagal River that's where my family's traditional land is okay um, that's where my mom and grandparents uh, came from. And so we go back to that area. That's where we hunt we pretty much. I know it's pretty far because most of the people here now in the community uh, have settled into Atawapiskat. Um, mm-hmm. There were several clans that came from uh, that area uh, where I go hunt with my family. Yeah. And then several other, other clans that came from uh, upland, uh, like up the river here. So, so right, you know, rightfully that's where I grew up hunting and that's where I keep going back to that area mm-hmm. it's quite a ways to get there uh to travel um on the by, by skidoo anyway in trail um depending on the what time of year it is too it could be pretty treacherous uh traveling up there uh, but yeah we spent the whole month uh we were prepared to stay uh up until july actually oh wow we were, we were just going to be coming back uh it was all basically hinging on this how bad uh, the this pandemic was going to be, you know, obviously being being a high risk community, uh, concerns were quite were quite uh, the concerns were quite um, quite high. Uh, they, you know, they were expecting it to arrive here and and and, and be very devastating for our communities, uh, especially because we were very under equipped and then uh, we don't have a lot of resources up here to deal with that type of thing. So, sure. Yeah. So we were going to go out to the land and. And be on the land and away from all that uh, for at least three months, as long as we needed to. Mm-hmm. And we we were, we came home, uh, you know, a little over a little over a month uh, into it. Everything was safe still in here in the community, so we chose to come home. Nice. It's it must be different, you know. I'm uh, I live in Toronto, and you know we've sort of our Going back, you know, you talk about going back to the land. Um, I, I'm at home and we're learning how to cook. <laughs> you know, here we're, we're not we're not going to Starbucks or Tim Hortons or uh, a local sandwich shop for breakfast, rushing to get to the office um, or, or heading out to a fast food joint or or eating out on patios. We're trying to, you know, we're making food here. We're uh, we're a lot of people are building vegetable gardens in their backyard or in their balconies and, uh, you know, trying to get, you know, with air quotes closer to nature, um, you know, you going up 200 kilometers north of Atahuapiscat to your uh, ancestral, uh, you know, homes where, where, you know, your family's been hunting for generations. Um, and and not even you know it's it's like yeah we'll just go there and we'll and we'll stay there and and sort of wait it out, um, and someone like me living in a city would say wow like how do you survive you know, um, you know mm-hmm. to tell I'm really interested in learning about the 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 opportunity and the ability to just you know live off the land in harmony with the land, um, I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, well, most families up up until maybe about, I'd say, twenty years ago, were were 
out on the land quite a bit, like months at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Surviving on the land, either they were trapping uh, for for fur trading, um, um, they they'd come back in and trade in their furs with the local with the local company here, or they send them off to the auction. So that was a big part of the community, the community's uh, activities for a very long time, uh, up until like I said, twenty thirty years ago. So. And then things started to change, um, you know, not not as many families were heading out. So, uh, but it, it, they're still they're still able to link. They're still very very um, very knowledgeable. And if they had to go back to the land, um, there's there's certainly they certainly be able to do that. So I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to learn about you know surviving on the land and and mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know and and not only from my elders, but from other people in my family and in the community, other men, and not only men, but women who are so gracious to teach me and pass down their knowledge to me. And I, I was always wanting to learn and learn as much as I could learn. Um, I've always been like that. Uh, I've just been so fascinated with with the Cree culture and, and just being out on the land because I've always felt I don't know. I, I it's hard to describe. You know, and I I feel a real deep connection uh, with nature and the land, and uh, even when I'm by myself, you know, two three hundred kilometers away, and there's not another soul near me, I I feel I feel close to God. You know. Sure, uh, sure. <laughs> and so being out on the land, there's a lot of obviously a lot of things you need to know. Like you need to know how to navigate. Uh, certain conditions they either here we have the sea james bay uh is part of the sea so if you're out traveling by canoe or boat uh you need to understand how tides work there's just so much you know knowledge you need to have and you, you can't just go out there um because there's a lot of people i know over the years have got themselves in some pretty uh serious trouble not knowing you know the land very well Mm-hmm. So I think first and foremost, you need to really understand, and and you need to have that knowledge and and learn about how how what what the land is and and how it all um, some of the, I guess some of the uh, some of the dangers that are out there. And if you're hunting, and you know you need to know where to find the animals. Like if you're tracking large game, yeah, um, you need to know where to go. And and uh, these stories and how how the stories that were told to us by our elders and grandparents growing up are stories that that teach us about where to find these animals too right so there's stories about caribou and 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 how they move and where they go in certain time of year and which which ones are the leaders of the herds so there's all of these different stories and legends that are used to teach uh, us as boys and as, as girls and as we grow up, you know, those stories that they use, they're, they're basically knowledge that are being passed down to us. Uh, and we know, like, based on those stories, where to find, uh, you know, the animals and where they're going to be a certain time of year. So that's really uh, one part of it. Uh, again, uh, then actually practicing it and doing it mm-hmm. um, in the flesh. And, uh, you know, so if you're going out in late October... Uh, to go and stay out till Christmas, um, you'd be trapping and you'd be basically living off fish, caribou, ptarmigan, rabbit. Uh, so you got to learn how to do all that. And once you have the, once you have all those skills, uh, um, you know, you also got to know how to prepare and clean and, and preserve uh, some of those, some of those uh, animals and, and fish. Winter, not so much because you can still freeze. You know, like yeah. you're okay. Uh, you got, you know, the winter months will freeze your your meat and preserve it. But come spring months, when there's a lot of harvesting uh, happening, that's a big harvesting uh, activities for our communities here in James Bay. Um, traditionally, they had no freezers, so they had to once they had their kill, they had to learn how to preserve the meat, um, and uh, they they sun dried, smoke dried, and then crushed it into like a uh, uh, like they would make it into a jerky, I guess is what I would describe, and okay. crush it all up. So we learned we learned all that stuff, you know. If, like that's why I said, if we had to go out and then you know not have any electricity or, or freezers or, or anything like that, we we would we would be okay because we we learned all that, how to preserve all that meat and food and um, for months at a time, and, and be able to to live off that, and then 
in the summer, they, you know, when the berry season were in, were in bloom, um, berries were a big part of the diet, uh, sure. and they would co- they would collect also um, fat from the animal, from the different animals, and they would save that, and that would be part of their uh, diet as well, right? Mixed in with berries and the dried the dried jerky. Uh. So it's a lot of a lot of different things. Uh, you know, it's just constant, right? Uh, I think really the only time we were able to have a bit of um, a bit of rest was after all the work was done in the spring harvest months, and they were done preserving all their their kills and their meat. Uh, then they started to celebrate, you know, the coming of spring and and summer um, by having these little gatherings where people would get married. Um, they would come together and and eat families who haven't seen each other for months at a time would come together. So those were the kinds of things going on. And it's still, you still see it being practiced today. Uh, um, and, and maybe not an, at, at, at a large scale, um, but it's still these values and these uh, customs still exist here. And uh, we had <clears throat> six families up at my camp this year. It's the biggest camp we've had uh, ever since I was a boy. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. So a lot of not not only my family but several families were heading out to the land, and it's really nice, you know, uh, for once to be able to forget about all of the all of the uh, pressures that were that are put on to us by society. You know, like yeah. you got to go to school, you got to work, and you know, do all these different things, right, just to survive. Yeah. Um, and to get by, it's just nice to be able to just say, okay, well, none of that is really important right now, you know, and we know that if we go to the land, you know, we're going to be provided for, uh, like our ancestors were. You know, my grandfather lived out uh, half his life on the land, uh, right off the land, and, uh, you know, uh, obviously that's a different time um, than it is now, but it's just, you know, even you were thinking about, we were thinking about supply chain, you know, if things got so bad, you know, Mm-hmm. You know, things are hard hard enough to to get here already, even when things are normal. Yeah. You know, you can't ship things up here. It takes weeks, you know, to get stuff. Uh, things are just slow. And can you imagine if supply chain uh, started to slow down, we would probably uh, feel it here first in the north because everything is slow to begin with. And knowing that there's just so much, like the land is bountiful, you, knowing that you you feel reassured that, um, you're going to be okay if you have to go out there and self-isolate for months. Uh, you know you're going to be fine just living off the land. Are you seeing more of that particularly now, sort of needing to rely on the land more than needing to rely on, you know, weather, supplies, whatever it is, right? Food, stuffs coming from, you know, places like, I don't know where they would come from, Thunder Bay or Sudbury or Toronto. Um, are, you, are you seeing more reliance in your community on the land? Yeah, I, I've been seeing uh, more reliance on on the, the traditional foods than, mm. than, you know, food coming in from the south. Yeah. Uh, for, well, one, I mean, we've, for the longest time, for the last year, uh, our local grocery store hasn't been able to just keep their shelves stocked. Uh, sure. There's been no meat. Meat that's for several uh, months this winter. There was no meat at uh, the store, so I mean, you really don't have a choice uh, if you want meat in, in your diet. You know, you have to go out and get it because um, you're not getting it from the local store. So we've always we've always had supply chain issues here for as long as we can remember, and you know, as a boy, they had a little tiny store, and all they had was canned food. Um, my my grandparents only bought flour, large sugar tea bags from the store, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And everything was everything was from the land, and we ate what they put on the table, and we didn't complain. Whether it was moose intestines, you know, fish eyeballs, you know, and that's all we were eating. <laughs> fish heads, uh, you name it, like pretty much everything, right? So. Uh, so yeah, it's a. I think more now. Uh, d- definitely, I've seen not only our community, but a lot of First Nation communities were were heading out to the land and going to their ancestral lands to self-isolate. And they were making um, some of the community uh, communities were helping their members stay out even longer 
to to make sure that people were self-isolating and staying away from the communities, especially in areas where there were cases, uh, COVID cases, confirmed cases in, in some of the communities, especially mm. on the Quebec side of the bay and in some of the other First Nation communities. So um, they they saw the importance of, you know, assisting their members to, to get out to the land and stay out there. We'll help you stay out. Uh, you know, we can give you a lot of extra supplies and extra fuel. Maybe we can support, you know, some of the air costs to fly in and out of those those locations. Um, however, this community here, we're pretty much, it was all self-financed. Nobody, nobody helped us get out to the land. Uh, there was no support in place for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure why, but <clears throat> it would have been nice to, to, to have that kind of support for sure. Because uh, it still can be quite expensive, you know, like to get out there and, um, and traveling out there. We're... We don't travel like our ancestors did. They they they, they traveled pretty light, uh, um, and most of them most of the time were on foot or dog teams uh, or by paddling their canoes along the along the water. And we're 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 different now, right? Times have changed. We're we, you know we have the best of both worlds. I always say because we have you know one foot in the past, yeah. um, and then one one foot in the present. You know which. Life is a lot easier for us now than it was for for our ancestors, you know, who starved and faced all sorts of uh, um, hardships out on the land, uh, you know. So we've been pretty lucky. Nice. That's good to hear. Um, We're going to go all over the place with this conversation, Adrian. So um, I I hope you don't mind. Um, Like I said earlier, the uh, I first heard about you uh, or... Yeah, I guess I first heard about you when you did that rendition of Neil Young's Heart of Gold. Um, and anyone listening to this knows I'm one of the biggest Neil Young fans. Um, tell me tell me about that song and why you, why that song, you decided to cover it and, uh, and release uh, your own version of it. Yeah, for, <clears throat> first of all, that song I, I, uh, I covered... Um, many many years ago, I used to cover it quite a bit, and I've done it, you know, several times uh, throughout the years. It's a song I really love, uh, and I first heard it as a as a teenager. I I uh, wanted to learn it. I wanted to play it, and I wanted to learn the harmonica parts to it. I didn't have a harmonica at the time, yeah. <clears throat> and again, like growing up in Ottawa, Saskatchewan. Uh, I knew only of one person who played the harmonica, and it was an elder who lived next door to me. So I went to go ask him if I could borrow his uh, his harmonica. And it was this big clunky thing, and it had two keys, uh, an A and a, a G. So if you flipped it around, you would get the other key. Okay. <laughs> so that's how desperate I was. I wouldn't recommend uh, borrowing somebody else's harmonica. Not these uh, days. <laughs> no, a wind instrument, right? So Yeah. Uh, but it... You know, I was really, really keen and really wanted to learn that song, and I just wanted to learn all the parts of it. So I got this. He, he, he was kind enough to loan it to me, and uh, and I had to make a holster for it. So I used some rubber bands, uh, a steel coal hanger, and a couple of sticks to to fashion up a, a holster for it. <clears throat> and there, I learned the whole part. Took I think it took me about a week to learn all the parts to it, the lyrics, and uh, oh wow! And then then learning. You know how to play everything together. Yeah. You know, trying to put all the parts together was it was a little bit challenging, but but I finally did it, and uh, you know I just covered that song throughout the years ever since, and I think uh, I think it just got a sort of a last eleventh hour idea to to throw on a throw on a cover, and that was one of the uh, songs that <clears throat> sort of was in the mix, and I said sure, I mean I I love that song, and they're like well what can we do to make it unique, right? And then I was like, well, there was a few of us sitting in the room, the producer, uh, the drummer, and why don't you put some some native stuff in there, like like chanting or or sing a verse in your language. Nobody's done that. And I said, yeah, you know, that would be kind of cool. So, so we could quickly arrange the song. We decided on adding a third verse, but in, in the Cree language. And... Uh, we did the drum tracks that day, rearranged, and then we, it was funny how it all came together because 
I did the vocals last. Everybody was gone now. Um, with Jill, who was uh, uh, who was engineering at the time, uh, assistant engineer in the studio, and so everybody, you know, everybody buggered off, and it was just her and I, and I, we just had to do vocals and acoustic guitar, and that's what we did. And it was kind of weird how it all came together because it didn't seem like, to me, like we were doing anything very special mm-hmm. until we heard the first mix. Right? I was like, wow, like that's amazing. You yeah. Know? <laughs> It was amazing when we put it all together and we first heard it, like everyone knew that we'd done something pretty, uh, pretty special with that song. And, um, it's, that is still like, when I listen to it, it's just, it sounds so good. I really, I really, uh, I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. And you've got your own spin to it. Even, uh, you played it, was it yes? What day is today? Friday. You played it yesterday on your live stream. And as soon as you hit the harmonica, it's like, yeah, he's doing it. He's doing the Heart of Gold song. Um, yeah. You know, because some, some songs you know right away, right? Uh, but yeah. for you to have put your own spin, I think the, the chanting comes first. Chanting with the harmonica comes in first, I think, on that song for you. The, chant, the chanting, that's, yeah. Yeah, and the as soon as I heard it, as soon yeah. as I heard it, I knew exactly what, you were, what, what song was coming up, and I was really, really excited to watch it. Um, <laughs> I, I, in, in t- how does I'm always curious about how how this works in music. When you do a cover like that, do you does your producer does your does the record company do you have to like give Neil's people a call to get sign off on that? How does that work? Yeah, I mean uh, we needed to get permission because we we changed the we changed the the song around. Yeah. Um, which we added the third verse in Cree. If we had kept the song the same, like everything, yeah, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. We wouldn't need to request permission. Okay. Um, how, as far as uh, my, as far as I understand it, anyway. Yeah. Because we added the Cree verse in it, we had to get permission from them. Um, so we requested it, and uh, from from Neil Young's publishing company. Yeah. And they were great. Um, we had a really really quick response from them uh, surprisingly uh, they said yes you can you can go ahead and and do it and so we we were pretty happy about it um, we had to send in all the information to them and we had to write out the Cree language mm-hmm. in Rom- Roman orthography yeah and then write and then write the English translation out for them so it was all there and um, so that 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 alone too was a bit challenging because trying to in the Cree language there are no sometimes no words described like the English vocabulary. Yeah, I think I read somewhere and, and, but, you said gold doesn't have a there's no word for gold. Is that right? Yeah, well we we, we, we do we do say uh we do have a word like for anything like gems that come out of the earth. Okay. We'll just call them like money rock. Okay. You know, money rock. That's what we call them. Uh, like we say, Shunyan Asini. So if I were to say, you know, a heart of, you know, money gold. <laughs> yeah. Just, it wouldn't make sense if I said that in Cree, right? Yeah. And in this, and in the same in English, obviously, it doesn't make any sense too. But, um, yeah. So I had to, you know, what I used to describe it in the Cree was like somebody who has a good heart, right? Heart of okay. gold. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Tell me yes. about your um, your musical inspiration. I know your mom played guitar. Is that how you first how music was first introduced to you? Yes, my mom uh, played. That's how I first was introduced to music. She played guitar um, for probably as long as I can remember. I must have been five, six years old. Uh, she she would play guitar and I had, there was a guitar always around the house so mm-hmm. I would always you know pick it up and just goof around with it um, as early as five six years old and um, that was my first inspiration uh, um, and then of course my uncles all played they they had a band that they played in and I was always around you know because there's always music so naturally. Uh, I fell into it, and I I remember in my teens I really wanted to get on the stage and really be like them, right? be like them, and you know perform. And 
so I started to play stuff like CCR because that, that's what you know everyone was doing back in those days. Okay. On the reserve, <laughs> you know uh, that sort of thing, and Billy Idol and um, Wow, those are the <laughs> kind of things, kind of things that were going on. Uh, Rolling Stones. Uh, so those are the kind kind of songs I, I was really introduced to initially. Um, but very first, first and foremost was by far definitely uh, most inspired by my mom. And I remember this one moment uh, specifically where. I was starting to play guitar and, and I wanted to play Pipeline, the opening riff, the Pipeline, right? Okay. She says, what are you playing? And I said, well, Pipeline. She said, well, that's not how you play it. And that by this point, she hadn't played guitar for years, years. Like, and she grabbed the guitar and she said, I'll show you how to play it. And she played it perfectly. This is how you play it. <laughs> so she showed me how to play the riff. She mm-hmm. played the whole thing. And uh, so, so it was one moment, special moment I shared with my mom and um, uh, with music. So it was, uh, I always remember that. That is nice. Right, so are you self-taught then or did you take lessons? Was there a teacher up in Atahuapiscan? No teacher. I'm all self-taught. I, I, I started learning by using tablature and then, and mostly by ear. That's how I learn music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, I, I need to congratulate you. You've got a bunch of um, good stuff has come your way. Uh, you know, first off, uh, the re-release of uh, James Bay, which was uh, the debut album for Midnight Shine back uh, seven years ago, I think in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, Politician Man, you won, you won an award for the video for that, I believe. Um, yeah. And by the way, you sound like Tom Petty. That's that's like a Tom Petty sound. I don't know if you if you'd agree with me on that or not. Um, and then and then Lonely Boy, uh, which you um, I think your band sang a while ago. I think in Ottawa. Is that correct? But it was just televised not too long ago. Yeah, that's correct. At the Inspire Awards. Yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 start if if you don't mind. Let's talk about um, uh, the re-release of James Bay. Um, sure. Tell tell me about. Uh, I mean that that was your first album. You guys have done. Is that is it? Am I right if I say there's three studio albums you guys have done? Yeah, there's three studio albums. Um, that was the first one that we did together. Yeah. Why was it important to to remaster and re-release that particular album now? Well, when we when we did out that album, uh, I can't remember exactly, but I know from start to finish from the you know, pre-production to mastering. I think it was all done inside of five days. Oh my goodness! Uh, so quick. it happened very, very quick. Yeah. And and you know, of course, we were on a very, very limited budget. Uh, sure. Obviously, that's those are the reasons why we couldn't spend any more, any more time on on those songs. So everything happened really quickly, and 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 um, so the opportunity came. Uh, a few years after we recorded that album to remaster it. So we did, we actually remastered that several years ago and oh. just kind of sat on it for a while um, for a number of reasons, uh, which I won't get into right now, but, um, and we're, you know, since we had been planning to get this remastered version debut album out this year and, and since the coming of this pandemic, it mm-hmm. really has sort of, you know, we've had to, sort of adjust everything and they said well you know now you know we have the opportunity to get this album back you know get it out there like we wanted to so giving that album and remastering revisiting all those tracks was something i really wanted to do because um you know sonically i think it sounds way better and when i listen to it now i can really appreciate you know um the work that we put into the into those songs and uh, i'm really happy i mean everything sounds really the guitars sound fatter and the drums, you know, everything just sounds so much better. Mm-hmm. Actually, bef- uh, before we sort of continue, I, w- I want to sort of take a, take a detour here. Um, mm-hmm. Because you, correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't go straight, like as a kid, you didn't, you know, pick up the guitar, your mom's teaching you, you know, how to do some classic rock tunes and you're, you're, uh, you're learning, you know, based on stuff you're hearing off of the radio. Um, because I know you've, you've done, 
you know, you worked as a paramedic, uh, you've done different things. So was there sort of a, a pause from falling in love with music to, to when you started, I guess, being a quote unquote professional musician? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've always loved music and I always knew, even when I first saw um, Brian Adams on, on MTV, uh, mm. um, you know, when I first saw him, you know, playing the song, I just, I wanted to do that. I wanted, I knew I just, there was something, that, uh, there was just something in me that said, hey, you know, I want to do that. And I would just rock out to the song all the time. Every time I heard it, playing the air guitar as a yeah. kid. And then, you know, I was really involved in, into my teens. I had like, I'd been to a bunch of different phases, heavy metal. You know, there was a hip hop phase. Oh, yeah. Um, and country music and, you know, classic rock. There's different, a bunch of different phases happened so quickly. And then I became a father. Ah. Uh, when I was, turn, when I just turned 19 and, and uh, 18 or 19. Anyway, I was young, uh, and and then I had suddenly I had two, you know, high school dropout. I had two two little kids, uh, and a wife, and and I just I had to do something, you know. I knew I had to do something because we were living in a shack with no electricity, no water, and uh, I was about twenty one at the time, and I just, you know, I I it did something to me. I said, I got to do something, you know, I got to go back to school. So I went back to high school and got into college after that, became a paramedic and I did that, you know, obviously, you know, like any good father would do and, and, and husband, uh, yeah. Provide for your you know, family, provide for my family. And that's the only thing I knew how to do at the time, uh, uh being an Ottawa Ops getting so far away in those days, I don't think if I would have tried to make it as a musician in those days, I don't think I would have made it, this far anyway in those days mm-hmm. um, because uh, you know I've been able to do a lot here especially with the technology and, and exchange files and ideas being so far away from the industry um, it's just been allowed to, it's allowed me to do more I think today than I would have been able to do back in those days and yeah so I put music on the back burner for all those years um, something I loved and just basically put it on the back burner and I kept playing, you know, whenever I could play in different venues and did covers. And then uh, I just started writing music because um, I got tired of covers. So I started writing and uh, I really fell in love with writing music. And uh, that's what I focused on as a medic during my downtime. I did a lot of writing. Um, I think I wrote several songs, actually, that were on that first album while I was working as a paramedic. So I guess I, I owe a big thank you to to my employer <laughs> in <those laughs> yeah. yeah was it um what was the decision to to focus on on uh on music and, and leave being a paramedic was that was that an easy decision was there a crossroads you were at yeah i mean if you look at my background i think some people will probably say i had a lot you know jumped around from a, from place to place and job to job uh at uh, one point in my life, but uh, probably would say I had a lot of growing up to do. <laughs> but, but yeah, there was a there was a decision where um, people were always saying like, "Hey, you, you know, you're really good. You know, you should do an album, right?" I used to get a lot of that over the years, and and uh, especially when I started writing my own stuff, people like you wrote that, and I'd be like, "Yeah, it's mine, man. You know, you should, you know, try and go somewhere with your music." So I was getting a lot of that, those kind of encouragements and, and comments coming, and then I and then I started playing, you know, and, and open mics. Um, and any chance I got to perform in different venues here in, at home and different mm-hmm. festivals going on in the region, I would I would go out and I would start getting invited more and more, and and and, uh, and my family, you know, always supported me and and lifted me up, and I think when I finally decided to do an album, that was one of the driving forces behind it was to do it for my friends and my family. Um, to, you know, put, put something out there and I didn't really know what I was doing. I just wanted to do an album and get it out. And so here we are. Um, <laughs> it, 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 
I never expected to get the kind of response I did from that first album, and I never thought I'd find people here at home to to that wanted to play my original music because, you know, honestly, I tried to get my original stuff into cover bands I played in over the years, and nobody was interested at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I met the other guys in the band, uh, they suggested that we do the original stuff, and that's what we did when we first played together, and um, and it just you know, people really, really kind of gravitated towards the music and and it just kept growing and growing the brand. And, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of hard work went into it too. And uh, But I think a big part of it was at some point, uh, maybe five years ago, I would say, yeah. uh, I said I wanted to do this full time and... Um, and I stepped away from, you know, corporate. I was working uh, in the corporate corporate business. Uh, I stepped away from all that and and uh, started pursuing this full time. Of course, I still I'm still an entrepreneur as well. I I own a, a couple of businesses here in the community, so I've been focused on that and to try to keep myself afloat and, and keep driving keep driving this music forward. And I think I'm at a I think I'm arrived at a certain, um, I don't know, time in my career now where I feel like um, there's, there's, the doors are wide open. I mean, uh, I couldn't be more happy and and with where I am right now and the opportunities that are coming my way uh, are just endless and I just can't wait uh, for you know things to get back to normal again and and focus you know focus on music and getting out and playing. And, sharing my music with as many people as I can. For sure. I think the uh, the last time I tried uh, setting something up, you were in Toronto with uh, Tom Wilson and Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. Um, what was what was that experience like for you? To, to uh, I think you went on tour with them in, in Ontario and Canada, right? Yeah, we did a, we did a, did an Ontario, they kicked off their tour here in Ontario. And uh, I got to join them for that their first leg of their tour and that was for me a a real eye-opener and a real such a positive experience being able to see how these guys work you know people have Mm -hmm. been in the industry for 30 plus years and 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 you know the stories that they were sharing uh with me and the advice that they were giving to me um you know, on everything, right? Like from gear to, to, to you know, performance to, you know, I just, I, yeah, I just couldn't say enough good things about it. Um, I'm just so happy uh, I got to be a part of that, and and uh, I think there may be even, um, you know, talks of me joining them for some more shows once once things. Uh, restrictions start to get lifted and and people are allowed to go and perform again in live venues yeah for sure um i read somewhere adrian that prior to releasing politician man you had wanted i don't know if it was a conscious decision or not but you you had stayed away from politics in your music um and i'm wondering you know, why at that particular time, it was it 2018 or 2019 when that song came out? Um, 2019, yeah. 2019, so, so last year, which feels like a yeah. lifetime ago, by the way, nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Um, why, why, why at that particular moment in time and, you know, where you were with your career, was was that the right time to sort of, I don't know if poke the bear is the right term, but to, to, to make a song like politician, man. Well, I think there is a number of, of reasons why, um, you know, I chose to, to put out a protest song. And I think, um, I'll start with, I guess the stage I'm in, in my life right now, my, mm-hmm. my life seems more, in, more insignificant now. Um, uh, you know, at the age I'm at now, I'm more thinking about my kids and my grandkids now, and and uh, the legacy that I leave behind, and and you know, 
I'm, you know, when you look at Atahualpiscat and some of the issues that exist here, like water and contamination, right? And I think that was one of the things that kind of really pissed me off. Um, as just not only as a musician, but I think it's just just as a human being, you know, like um, my one of the most basic human needs, you know, I have no access to clean drinking water. My kids, my grandkids, water is so contaminated, you can't even bathe or breathe the vapors from the top. I can't, this is crazy. Like, how can this be? You know, and I was so upset um, mm-hmm. when we learned, you know, when we learned how bad the water was. I was so upset, you know, and I felt so angry. And I think that's where the change happened. Uh, I think that's where it occurred. I felt like, you know, I got to do something. I got to say something. And, and uh, you know, up until that point, I never really been politically charged. And uh, I have been a little bit, like a lot of the lyrics have been politically driven, mm-hmm. but not so much. Like, not so much punching you on the nose with them, right? Sure, sure. More, it's more, it's more like been trying to bring you in and, and to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this song does that too because I've never tried to break people down, anyone down, because I know there's no, there's no value in that, you know, and there's no benefit to breaking others down and breaking people down. Um, I think this song is just really, in general, it, it's. It, I don't, for the, especially for the time we're in now and with everything that's going on, I think it couldn't be a more important song. Yeah, that's so true. Know, for, for for everyone, right? doesn't matter where you come from and who you are. Uh, um, we need to change, you know. It's 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 time. It, it seems that um, Arawapiskat has, and, and, you know, rightly so, uh, influenced uh, a number of your songs, right? Politician Man, Water Crisis. Um, I believe I Need Angels uh, was a response to the teen suicides, if I'm if I'm correct. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, it's um, it, it's something you know for for me, you know, since uh, you know the past three four years, I've I've been trying to learn more about um the indigenous people uh that 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 live here and and the issues that they face um and things that i thought i knew that i didn't know um you know may, maybe it started with with gore downey and the downey wenjack fund uh and, and you know realizing that you know we've been you know when i say we you know people that have you know come to this country that are not from here you know, we, we've been taking people for granted and really messing things up. Um, how are things in Atahualpiskat? Are they, are they any better? Are, are we seeing, um, is there still a water crisis? Um, you know, how are the children there? Are, are things, are, are things improving at all? Um, that's a good question. I, I, it's hard to answer. It's hard to know, and mm. I I don't see it improving. You know, um, wow. Like the water, like I don't know what's going on with the water. It's been a year. So now. still today. Still today, I have no clue. I tried asking several people. I I have emails into the uh, Biden administration about the status of our water. What's going on? I'd like to know. Um, you know, we haven't heard anything. It's been almost a year I said we haven't really heard anything other than that the feds committing funds to address the immediate needs um, I don't I don't know what's going on like I don't know why we we can't get reports and you know updates from them to so that we can have a peace of mind right um, we still have a, <clears throat> a huge drug addiction problem in the community it's just killing us it's killing it's killing our people um, we're all affected by it. We all deal with it. Uh, everyone, everyone, every person in this community is affected by that particular issue, especially mm-hmm. with the drug, the drug problem we have right now. And I don't see anything really a whole lot being done. Um, I mean, there's some efforts being made, but these, these, 
you know, real things need to happen. Um, real action is what's needed right now. Um, um, it's really, it's pitiful. That's how I describe it. And uh, it hurts me and it's frustrating at the same time to see this because I see it every day. I deal with it every day. I feel it. I feel the emotion. Um, you know, I got to go talk people down that are in psychosis that come around my business every day and threaten to kill me or threaten to, to do stuff, you know, like... Um, it's very, I'm, I'm living, I'm grinding, I'm, I'm living it, you know, I'm grinding, grinding it out here still. And it's hard. Um, but I believe, I believe in this community and I believe in these people and I believe we're going to figure it out someday. Uh, I just hope it happens sooner than later. Yeah. I mean, you know, you telling me this, it's, it's, I, I'm floored because, you know, when I, when I, I, I see your, what you're doing now on, on your Facebook live sessions. And I see the joy that you bring to people and, and sort of knowing that in the background, when those 10, 15, 20 minutes are up, you know, you have to, you know, you've got your, you've got family, you've, your, your grandfather, you've got so much responsibility uh, outside of the joy you bring to people with your music that it, it, it's, 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 I don't know if commendable is the right word, whether you want to hear a word like that, but it's, um, it's, it's amazing what you can do, um, you know, through, through your music. Um, yeah. I had, I don't know if, uh, if the name Nadia George uh, is familiar to you. She's a, she's an actress. I think she lives in the Toronto area. I, she's from uh, Mi'kmaq heritage. If I'm saying Yeah, that. I know. I know of her. I never okay. met her though. But I, I know of her. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, follow her. I follow her on uh, social media. Yeah, she. Um, I, I had the opportunity to interview her a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. she had a, a short movie out called Along the Water's Edge, again, talking about the water crisis. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in that, the same gas mask you wore in your, um, I think in a tweet from last year, um, are the same gas masks that they wear in this in this movie. Um, talking about you know the, the the water issues that that many indigenous communities face, mm-hmm. and and I had asked her, you know what 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 can I do like what because um, I believe it's 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 an issue that all Canadians should whether it's you know water uh, drug addiction housing you know it's something that I take for granted mm-hmm. you know living living in Toronto. Um, but knowing that a country as rich in resources as, as Canada should not have people that, you know, can't, you know, we're, we're telling people to stay home and wash their hands. Mm -hmm. And in your community, you might be able to stay home, but how can you wash your hands? Mm -hmm. Right. With, with water that is poison. What, What would you say to, 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 to people like myself? Um, how how could we? If, uh, I'll ask you now. How can someone like me help a community like yours? That's that's a tough tough question, and I get asked that question quite a bit. And yeah. um, one, I guess, first of all, giving me this platform here to speak today, mm. I think is is it goes a long way because you know I don't know what the reach is. Um, like for for this podcast, um, but giving me a voice to talk about and, and create that awareness. I think the more people that know about this and the more people that begin to discover the issues that we face here in, in our Indigenous communities in this country and the realities that exist and, and the lies um, that have been told uh, by our government and, and people that have been in power, um, I think... I always tell people, like, if, you, if you're able to help me as an artist and elevate me as an artist, you know, I can help my people more. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've been doing here, like with using my voice to 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 create that awareness, you know, and, and talk about these issues and not let people forget about it, especially politicians and people in power and, and not only politicians in, in, in the federal writing or in provincial, but in our local communities, in our regional tribal councils too you know uh they need to be held accountable we need we need to 
We need to figure this out. There are people here that want to do stuff in their communities, and uh, like me, like, uh, you know, if somebody asked me to look at this water issue, I would gladly put aside everything to to, to work on this water issue mm-hmm. to try to come up with a solution. You know, um, but I've never been given that opportunity, right? Uh, so I think by helping people like me. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people out there that come from these different communities and different representations. Um, and I think by helping them, helping elevate uh, their, them as artists and giving them, a, giving them a voice and platform to talk about these things, uh, is, it really does go a long way. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I think that's really the only, only thing you could do you know, sitting in Toronto, and mm-hmm. when you ask that question, what can I do to help Ottawa-Piscat? Well, realistically, what what can you do, right? It's it's such a, uh, um, I mean, the issues are so complex. Um, how you begin to unravel uh, some of those things? It's just, it's really really hard. Yes, yeah, it is, and um, yeah, I'm I'm you know, let's. One of the things that um, that that I'm hoping that uh, you know, especially what we've gone through as a as a country, as a world, as, as as community here over the past not just three months, but even the past few weeks, it, it's it, I, I'm hoping that as, as a people we become more we we have more empathy, you know, for our neighbors, for um, the indigenous people that that have been here since the beginning uh have more empathy for black canadians who uh you know face racism uh systemic racism on a daily basis i i hope all of this is bringing to the forefront that that we should be more empathetic and understand people and and and, and really you know at the end of the day it's it's people that matters right it's it's not whether we could you know, get our hair cut or, or go to the beach uh, or things like that. You know, it's, it's where we're all huddled at home trying to keep everybody else safe. And so mm-hmm. anyways, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we become more empathetic and that we care. We, 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 we show, we, you know, we care more about, uh, about other people rather than always focusing on ourselves. Um, and then, and, and I, Adrian, I've seen you do that with, you know, with your, this is maybe a bad segue to make, but with with your Facebook live sessions, you know, it's not something you have to do, right? But tell yeah. tell tell me about that because it, you know, I I'd watched your past two ones earlier today. Um, a lot of musicians are are sort of trying to figure things out. Um, how did you land on this weekly live sessions that you're currently doing? Um, well. <clears throat> be honest i wasn't really crazy about it and like okay. I, didn't really, I didn't really feel like doing it but um um I, I i it was it was we started talking about how to just kind of drive things keep driving things forward and making sure that you know i'm still being active you know in terms of performing and and i looked at like a lot of people who i who are sort of in my sort of circle right people that I know and artists uh, that are out there and we're all in the same boat right now pretty much yeah. I mean and you know just watching what they're doing and, and seeing the responses they're getting is, it started to kind of you know um, it got me going you know and, and got me wanting to do this sort of same thing and of course being here like I have challenges technical challenges um, sure. like uh, internet is not the greatest um you know, uh, I, I wasn't quite set up. I had to figure out, you know, how to use the software and, and get all the hardware and, you know, make sure all these things can work together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, you know, there's a learning curve involved. And we, we, we did the first two things. And I think the first one uh, was funny because I, the first couple of minutes, I think I didn't even know it was live. And I was just noodling around and, and I had like this stone cold look on my face. Right. <laughs> I saw the comments. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but you know the second time around felt a lot better and uh i'm actually going to be recording a half hour set for a festival 
Oh, wow. Uh, later on this evening, and hopefully I can get through without messing it up. Um, yeah, and I'm going to upload that file. It's going to probably take at least three days to upload. So. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I'm trying. You know, we're finding ways to, to, to kind of, you know, be active, right? And uh, especially in this new new world we're in right now. Yeah. Are you, I, um, I had asked Sass Jordan a couple of weeks ago mm. if, if she's been inspired to write at this time. And um, she, she was shocked. You know, she had just released an album in March and nobody had asked her that question. And she had to think, she goes, no, I, I don't feel like writing right now, particularly. Um, mm-hmm. What about yourself, Adrian? It, does this, you know, you're, I don't know whether you would have been on tour right now or recording in the studio, recording an album. Um, but has, has this time you being in Attawapiskat, are you inspired to write at this particular moment? Yes, definitely. Mm. Um, I'm, I've been writing and I am coming up with some, some good stuff uh, yeah. that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I have been writing for the past year, year and a half uh, for a solo work, for a solo project. So there's, there's quite a few songs that are um, pretty much, well, I you know, demo quality that are, that yeah. are done that I'm pretty pretty excited about. Some of them are collaborations. Some of them are um, just me alone. And um, I think re- recently I, I felt really. I don't know, like, I don't know how to describe it. Um, uh, I just feel like I wanted to work even harder and when things get back to normal again, um, I feel like uh, I have so much more to offer, you know, as an artist, as a songwriter, and so much more to give. And I always felt like I was built for this and, 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 and I was built for this and not only built for this, but built for it in a way that I could stand the, the long haul, right, in in this industry, and I wanna I wanna keep going. I wanna you know keep reaching as many people as I can, and I want, part of it is too. I know what I've seen now. What this can do, being an artist, being a songwriter, mm. it can help me lift lift my family and my life. Um, um, out of you know poverty, right? Sure. Because uh, we grew up, I grew up poor. I grew up with nothing. My kids were in, you know, my little girls first spend their first few years in the shack with no electricity and 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 uh, uh, running water. And so I know that it can create, you know, change for for me and my family. And and I think that's what's driving me, right, to continue to to want to improve the life uh, of my family and people I care about uh, in my community and I think this is the this is the path forward for me and this is how I I think I'm going to be able to do it nice I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to both the music from from yourself solo as well as uh, Midnight Shine um, you've got a, a an amazing guitar player um, I don't know his name but uh, oh he can shred he's really really good <laughs> yeah Zach he's, he's is shredder yeah for sure i mean <laughs> he, he's a he's pretty fun to be around absolutely do you have any dream collaborations adrian i'll keep it yeah actually uh, <laughs> i think about <laughs> i dream about these collaborations all the time actually um well jim cuddy you know he's one guy I, i'm a big fan of uh, yeah you know i'd love to do some music with jim cuddy someday uh um and I actually know him. We play hockey together at the Juno Cup, but as far as music goes, uh, you know, we're not sort of at that level, right? So, um, I like uh, City in Color. Uh, I've really been a big, big fan of uh, his, you know, his music. Yeah. Uh, Dallas Green. So um, that would be, you know, another dream collaboration. Uh, in the U.S., like I mean, it's American. American artists. Uh, I've always been a Foo Fighter fan, you know, Dave Grohl. Um, you know, that would be another dream collaboration. Um, Pink. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pink fan. 
for so long. I, wow. I just love her work. I love her music. I love her as a, as a person. Uh, yeah. Somebody like that. But you know, I'm just some kid in the far North somewhere. Uh, who knows where, <laughs> if, if uh, that would ever happen, but you never know. There's uh you, you might be far North, but uh, like music and I'm sure you agree. Like music is universal, right? Yeah, it's um, yeah, for sure. even you know you'll you'll sing in in uh, it, it, would I would it be correct to say Cree? You know when you sing in Cree, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I I might not understand it, but you could feel it, right? There's a feeling you get from music, yeah, as yeah. well. Totally. Right? Um, yeah. Let me ask you, uh, Adrian. I, I've kept you for for seven minutes longer, um, but this is a question we sort of end. Uh, our, our chats with uh, what are you currently listening to these days? Oh, currently um, I've been listening to uh, mostly playlists on, on Apple, like new rock. Uh, I listen to a lot of classic love songs. Oh yeah. Uh, mostly playlisting right now. I'm just, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know what it is with classic love songs. <laughs> But I've been listening to a lot of classic love songs, uh, um, a lot of new rock, uh, alternative, you, uh, you name it. Uh, yeah, just just a lot of old country too, classic country. I like listening to Willie's, Willie's Roadhouse on on uh, Sirius, um, and uh, um, Cree hymns. Recently, I started listening to Cree hymns again. It's part of uh, okay. something I grew up listening to as a as a young boy, and my my uh, grandparents used to. Uh, uh, listen to Cree hymns a lot and they would sing Cree hymns so um, yeah Adrian tell tell everybody where can they go online to learn more about you listen to your music and uh, uh, maybe buy a CD or two yes you can uh, find us on every social media platform Facebook Instagram Twitter uh, we also have a webpage dot midnightshineonline.com sorry it's www. Um, <laughs> Bandcamp we have a Bandcamp page so check us out there uh, just need to search Midnight Shine uh, or Adrian Sutherland and you, you shouldn't have any trouble finding us awesome Adrian this has been a pleasure I hope you've had a, a good time over the past hour thank you so much for this thanks for having me this is really fun <laughs>